This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Do your part to reduce waste and recycle right. Many of us are ordering more items, such as food and other goods, delivered to our homes. More packages means more waste. Consolidate smaller orders into one larger order to reduce waste. When shopping in person, bring a reusable bag. Recycle right by keeping plastic bags, foam containers, rechargeable batteries, and garden hoses out of your recycling bin. Learn more at GoRecycle.org. Brought to you by Montgomery County, the City of Alexandria, and Fairfax County. 
At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. All right, it's film study. We're back. We're going to take a look at the offense, dig in, look at some end of season stuff. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, Brian McFarland is joining us, as he does every time we break down the uh, roster, it seems. Brian, how you doing? Good, good. How, how's everybody doing today? Oh, Life's good, good, Brian. We hope right. we have Brian for every one of these, because yeah. these are fantastic. These, these discussions, are best football oh. discussion I get in the whole year. Oh, it's always fun. Absolutely. Yep. All right. All right. Well, let's get into it. Uh, lots of questions on the offense this year, especially with a uh, ending not so exciting. All we can do is look forward now. Very exciting offense in terms of the Ravens don't spend very much on it, and it's producing historic results. So jump into this, and I, I want to first point people to Brian's fine work on RSR where he breaks down contracts, and basically he looks at the end of season and breaks down all of the players by their contract status. So he's got all the RFAs, all the UFAs, all the players under contract, et cetera, et cetera. We look at it a little differently here, which is by value relative to cap. I think both are valuable, and it wouldn't hurt to have them side by side to kind of take a look at them as you're going through. And uh, and certainly we'll appreciate whatever Brian can do in terms of correcting any uh, numeric or, or incorrect designations I've made in the, in the material as we go through this tonight. Brian, how you doing? Good, good, Ken. All right. Well, uh, young producer category. This is the exciting one for the Ravens. They've never had as much talent on their rookie deals producing at such a high level, maybe as any team in history, but certainly they're, they're one of the all-time great teams and by far the most offensive talent of a young type that, that the Ravens have ever had. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, over the, the early years, all of their offensive talent I mean, because they couldn't pick a wide receiver for the most part. So it seemed like all of their offensive talent was uh, recycled veterans, some good, don't get me wrong, but, you know, older guys. Um, I mean, I guess when they first arrived, you had your Michael Jackson and your Derek Alexander. So that that was that was exciting younger players. Um, but, um, you know, after that, it was your Shannon Sharps, your Quadrius Mouths. Uh, Jamal certainly was a was a young player, but. Uh, but he was probably at that, you know, for those first so many years, their only really exciting uh, offensive draft pick. Um, oh, well, Ogden, right? But I was, I, yeah, I was, yes, yeah, thanks. I was thinking of skill players, but yes, Ogden certainly. But um, beyond that, it was, you know, it was a mix of veterans and things like that. And of course, the quarterbacks weren't very good, and the wide receivers weren't very good. So, um, so it's exciting now to have. Um, you know, I mean, you've got Brown, you've got Andrews, uh, Edwards, Hurst, and obviously Lamar. I mean, there's some, you know, some very talented, uh, skilled players, which is, I mean, that's got to be, I mean, I mean, Lamar does it all by himself, I guess. But, I mean, that's probably, as far as skilled players, that's probably the best set of skilled players they've ever had. I think I think that's a fair statement. I mean, they, you know, obviously they've never had anything close to the kind of award-winning they've had 
in these. And, and this category doesn't even have Mark Ingram in it. Right. And it doesn't have Patrick Ricard in it. And it doesn't have Nick Boyle in it. But we'll go through real quickly. The eight guys who are on the young producer include the five. Uh, Brian said, so it's Mark Andrews, Bradley Bozeman, Marquise Brown, Orlando Brown, Gus Edwards, Aiden Hurst, Lamar Jackson, and Ronnie Stanley. Um, there are two other guys who were on this in this category earlier this year, Patrick Ricard and Matt Skura. For different reasons, they had to be dropped down. Patrick Ricard signed a contract and dropped out of the category, so he's now a veteran playing for market value. We'll get to him later. Matt Skura, obviously a very sad injury in the at the game at L.A. Seems to be quite serious in terms of uh, – uh, Seems a little bit like Siragusa's injury, honestly, in terms of the multiple ligaments, all three, MCL, PCL, and ACL, along with a patella dislocation, sounds very yeah. serious in terms of what yeah. they've said. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's a shame for him because he was looking at, uh, well, either a contract extend. He was going to get, you know, an RFA. He was probably going to be a second-round uh, restricted free agent uh, t- uh, tender. So that would have been $3.5 million. Um, so it's a nice little bump from his, you know, 600,000 he just made this year. Um, and you know, whether they, you know, signed him to an extension, which certainly was something DaCosta has talked about wanting to do with, with, uh, younger ascending players and before they hit the market, or if that didn't happen, he's looking at, you know, this time next year, looking at being a free agent and, you know, looking to cash in, uh, be it here or somewhere else. So, I mean, that's a real shame for him. And, you know, I I think it's very possible he only gets the low RFA tender at this point um, because his return is you know training camp ish as as far as a time frame. Now, obviously, we'll have a better handle on that when March comes along. But um, I I think you know there's a good chance they roll the dice with that, figuring that nobody's gonna nobody's gonna make an offer to him. Why? I mean, I don't see anybody not an offer that's gonna knock his socks off. And you know, the only time you generally are signing a an RFA offer sheet is when it's a deal that's it's knocked your socks off because why not just wait a year and hit free agency? So um, the low tender, since he was an undrafted free agent, will give them the opportunity to match, um, but no, there's no draft compensation. But I think that's probably a risk they'll take. Yeah, um, I, I, it's a big loss for the Ravens too, and this is not not one way, but it's a it's a bigger loss for Skura, obviously, because he's his entire future in terms of earnings is in question. But the Ravens also could have built their offense around Skura as the center with a four-year deal now that they could have had some divisible benefits. Skura would have gotten the, the security. You know, I hope a lot of younger players now are looking at this coming out of year three on a four-year rookie deal that's not a first-round deal and saying, you know, I really ought to consider not letting my agent talk into waiting it out till free agency and taking some of the security that comes with dividing this benefit between the security of getting the money for starters versus the maximizing the contract a year later. Yeah. And I mean, for these younger guys, if it's just a four year deal, they, they have a chance to cash in again. Um, so, I mean, there's something to be said for that. You get that four year start at a year early. Um, mm-hmm. So your next contract comes, I mean, it's four years down the road, but it's not five. I mean, it's four years into the con- another contract, but it's not five years down the road, um, which then you're generally pushing 30 or over 30. Um, which then, you know, maybe there's that second contract isn't as nice as it, as it would be. So maybe you're giving up a little here, but you're probably, you may be getting more on the back end on that second deal if you've played well. Um, so I certainly think there's something to be said for that. And, um, but then again, with the money that gets thrown around every year in free agency, there is something to be said for, for rolling the dice and, and hitting it when, you know, the market is flush with cash and, 
and you've got potentially other suitors. I mean, that's that's certainly what Judon Matt Judon is doing. I mean, they they tried. I mean, they they made offers, but uh, apparently went nowhere. Um, and I guess after he saw what Darius Smith got, um, you know, he's probably thinking, well, I had a better first four years than than he did, so I can make seventeen. And if the Ravens are offering fourteen, then I'll go after seventeen. I'm just using those numbers. I'm not saying those were numbers. Right, well, he wasn't going to take a hometown discount after no. he saw what that what that no. contract was. It's I, I think there's another hidden benefit, and you just touched on it, but I wanted to make sure we codify this: is that is that if you sign that player after year three and you sign him to a four-year deal, as opposed to signing him after year four to a four-year deal, you get more prime years out of it that way. So you get years four through seven instead of years five through eight at what presumably would be, let's say, a similar cost for the first three years for those years. You, you should get a discounted cost, but let's say you pay a similar cost for those first three years of those four. The guy goes back on the market as a free agent a year early. That can actually benefit you because he's a year younger, might get you a better comp pick out of the deal. Sure, okay. absolutely. And you definitely want to pay for the more prime years of the career as opposed to tailing off into the 30s with a player and taking the risk that, that comes with the with, with age on the player. So I think that there's an, actually a significant additional benefit for the one-year acceleration of that contract for the for the same total term. Right, absolutely. And I think that's something that, I mean, the Eagles have done it. Uh, I mean, historically, they've been the team to do it more than anybody else. Um and you know some of them have bite you in the butt. I mean, let's face it. If I mean they did Tavon, the Ravens did Tavon Young a year early. You know, obviously first year he gets hurt. If he gets hurt again this year, then obviously it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and uh, that's going to happen. You know, uh, you just got to you, you know you got to uh, injuries aren't foreseeable for the most part uh, unless there's a, a long history of them perhaps. But so I mean that's and I think that's what uh, you know DeCosta's. Uh, mo has been and, and certainly i think with some of these guys you, we're going to hopefully see that uh this year um obviously probably not Skur. there's uh, you know there's a there's a different way to handle him obviously at this point but you know ozzy ozzy was a player and a former player and he seemed to feel that the players deserved full market value so he did you know if he did, if they didn't want to sign early then he was fine with the hit in the market and if he'd match he'd match and if he wouldn't he wouldn't most of the time he didn't, you know, um, but as a former player, I think he felt, you know, they should maximize. And I mean, the, I, I get that philosophy, but um, from a cap perspective, it wasn't always the greatest. All right. Well, looking at those young producers, I mean, we, I don't think there's too much we have to say about them. They're obviously the core of a, of a very fine football team here. Uh, three guys on the offensive line, Bozeman, Brown, and Stanley. Stanley will be the first to likely get his new deal probably happen this off season. Uh, that's obviously going to set the market. I would think at left tackle he's played very well. I can't help, but feel that both Stanley and Brown have kind of benefited from the fact that Lamar's here and the read option makes their job a little bit easier, not to mention the controlled rush lanes that the Ravens often face. Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly true. Um, and you know, and Stanley, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a almost $13 million cap number, uh, an extension will lower that. So when you're talking about finding cap space here or there or a little extra, I mean, they could drop, the, I mean, technically it dropped thing, thing 9 million, but uh, they won't, I, the way they're doing deals now, they won't go that far down, but certainly three to 5 million is a, you know, the, for the, on the, on the 2020 cap number they could do um, and still keep the contract very, uh, you know, reasonable and flat. I mean, usually the first year is the lower number anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
um, you know, and then it jumps up to a higher number and then stays pretty flat after that. So that's something they certainly, I mean, he's going to probably be a 15, 16, 17 million a year player. So it's not going to be cheap, but, um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a left tackle that obviously since Ogden, we haven't had. Right. Very, very much. This team has to be preparing itself for what I think is going to be a painful transition of cap from defense to offense. They're spending most of the money on that defense in the secondary right now. And a lot of it is going to have to move to be paying for, even though they need more money now to make the defense better, that a lot of it's going to have to move to Lamar Jackson specifically and other players on offense over the course of the next three years. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Lamar's that, you know, um, next off season and he is after it's that's the third year the uh the cba um mandated moratorium i guess we'll say ends um so he would be eligible for an extension um history says uh, you know assuming he doesn't take a big dive next year history says he will get it next year last year golf and wentz got them after the third year uh mahomes and uh deshaun watson are seemingly lined up to get them this year um, obviously, guys like Trubisky and other first rounds, first rounders did not, um, but the you know the top guys uh, do. And I mean, I think well, I think we could say Lamar is probably better than than golf at this point, uh, and maybe <laughs> maybe better than Wentz. Uh, you know, uh, um, what partly because Wentz gets hurt so much, but um, obviously, you know, I, I don't know that he'll be MVP again next year. But assuming he has a you know a, a top notch year. Um, I think there's no way they don't extend him. Um, everybody talks about, oh, you got five years of control, which is is great, but I don't know that we expected him to, you know, explode the way he did this year. Um, if he just takes a, you know, normal little step up, maybe the next this year and then the next year, maybe you do wait a year uh, or or you know one more year. But at this point, I don't see how you can't, um, assuming he, you know, has another good year. Though that that first year, though, again, that that first year will be a lower cap number. So when we're talking about contracts, you know, they may flood. And I think you mentioned it when we talked about defense, that the um, the Peters deal was sort of set up to deal with that because, you know, Lamar's going to be cheap this year. He'll be cheap if, if he gets the extension. He'll be cheap in the first year of that extension, cheaper. Uh, and then it'll start going up after that. Um, so. I think that's, you know, some of these deals, um, you know, uh, even the LJ Ford deal, it's not very big, but uh, that's that way. Uh, you know, Patrick Ricard, same thing. Um, they're kind of set up to be able to um, pay them nicely um, and then flatten it out and, uh, you know, make way. And who knows what the new CBA will do. That'll be the other big factor because uh, by the time Lamar gets his deal, I mean, he's so I mean, he's looking. If he does, if he has another near MVP, if he has a near MVP year next year, he's looking at 35, 40 million a year, probably. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly think that. So, so let's take the other side of that because that's the obvious way, and it seems to be the way that's happening around the year, around the league. You have the guy signed after year three when he's an obvious franchise quarterback, as Lamar is. So, if the club wanted to be draconian for any reason, what would be the likely impact of that? So if to take the most draconian stance, they would say basically, Lamar, look, we're making you wait the entire five years. Then they put a crap offer on the table um, after that fifth year is done. He'd say, well, I'm a UFA. You say, well, no, you're not a UFA. You're gonna, you're, we're going to tag you. 
Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it, it's kind of hard to play hardball with your superstar, <laughs> you know, to put it because if you're going to play it with a superstar, then free agents are going to say, "Well, what are they going to do to me?" Right. You know, um, and they've never been that kind of front office. I mean, you know, they've always been very player friendly. I mean, they'll they'll draw their line when you know if this is what we think you're worth and you think you're worth more, hey, more power to you. I mean, you know, they're they're very straightforward that way. But um, I, I just, you know, I just can't, I can't imagine them. Um, now, again, if he takes a nosedive next year, well, then, you know, maybe they do wait another year. Um, I think that's that. I actually would think that would happen. Uh, it depends on, obviously, what the nosedive means. But if he just becomes an average quarterback, whatever that, you know, however you want to quantify that, then, they probably, you know, he prob they probably do wait another year, but if he has, like I said, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what number to put on it, seventy five percent or higher of this year, next year, then I think he gets an extension. Okay, all right, well, fair enough. We will let that play out as is. Just exciting to have young players who are who are doing well on the roster. Uh, Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews is. Do you think it's likely the Ravens will only be able to keep one of those longer term? Yeah, I would think so, and I because I think. Uh, and I mean, assuming that's Andrews, I would think Hurst is going to want to go somewhere else where he's going to be the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'll be an interesting case because he's a first round pick, same year as Lamar. He has that fifth year option as well. But that's going to be a big jump for your number two tight end. Um, or three, depending on how you well, look at it. Well, true, true, true. So um, that'll be an interesting, uh, you know, whether they offer the fifth year option or whether they pick it up, I should say or whether they just decide. I mean, I'm sure they'll pick it up, but he may not they may end up trading would be my um I mean, I, there was even talk um well they have to pick it up before year 4. So it's not a sure right. thing that they'd pick it up, right? Right. Um yeah, I mean it it's it's not um uh, they probably would. I mean, the biggest concern is it it's not cuz it's not guaranteed unless a player gets injured. Um, okay. So uh, until until the first day of the league year of the 5th year so i mean they have up until march of whatever that would be 22 i guess or is that 20 yeah 22 um so they have unless he gets hurt and then then you're on the hook so mm-hmm. um so that's but my guess is they would try to either in year four or five or before year uh, in before year four or before year five probably um try to get some trade value out of them if, if they realize he's not long-term and there was even it's uh you know who knows what rumors are but you know there was discussions went around the trade deadline that he was going to be included in some trades and now whether that was people just making it up because he seemed expendable um there was some there was there was talk out of jacksonville on, on um on ramsey uh yes so i mean that was you know he was gonna that he might go in a return trade there so and that was out of jacksonville that wasn't speculation from here so um, I, but again, who knows if that was accurate or not, but my guess is that's what would happen because I, I, I they can't keep them both long-term with everybody else. I mean, you look at that list, you know, Orlando Brown will have been up, uh, you know, be up then too. Orlando Brown and Andrews are, are both, you know, uh, same year. Hearst is that year. Bozeman's that year. So Lamar's I mean, that year. <laughs> well, Lamar's that year, but I mean, he's the special case. Yeah. But those other guys, and they're going to, you know, they'll all come up all at the same time. Uh, and they'll have to make that decision on Hurst as well. And actually, I, I think Gus Edwards is that year too, for what it's worth. Yeah, yep, you're right. Yeah, yeah, because okay. he was a rookie last year as well. So yeah, so he'll be a restricted free agent next year. 
um, to get it, give him a little bit of a bump there. Um, so, but yeah, so that's, that's something that will, uh, you know, it's, it's nice to have all these young talent, but they're all kind of hitting at the, I mean, they're mostly first and second year guys. Um, and they're all going to hit it roughly the same time. They've got a window, you know, we've got yep. a couple of years here yep. now to, to, to try and win. The interesting thing with Hurst, I would have thought that the strategy would have been, uh, go ahead and not exercise the option and then let him walk after year four. Hopefully he gets a decent free agent deal. You get a comp pick at least in return. I mean, and that's obviously it depends on, you know, I mean, what they think they can get for him. Uh, that that may well be the strategy. I'm trying to remember if you, yeah, so if you decline the option, you can get a, a comp pick. If you keep him and then cut him, then you're cutting him. Right, of course. Um, so then he's not. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure if you decline the option, that that is you still can get a comp pick. But I have to look into that because it, it doesn't happen that often. So um, I'd have to check on that. So Jack Conklin of the Titans did not have his fifth year contract, fifth year option picked up for this season. That'd be the that'd be the guy that, maybe that, to the, the test case. I, there had to have been somebody before this, but I I'd have to take a look at that. But usually that you know, they're they're not going to sign big contracts anyway, so they might not factor in terribly much anyway but Hurst being you know young and underused perhaps here that there may be some more value to him right it's it's usually it's if, if there's a guy in here it's going to be special case it's going to be like a usually a first round offensive tackle or maybe an edge player who just flashes in year four after they already had to make the choice and they right. said no to it right all right, wonderful. Well, the Young Producer Group, we're, we are holding our breath for these new contracts, obviously. We're going to move on and talk about the developmental group here because I think that's where a lot of the attention needs to be paid. Six guys I have in this group, guys that aren't yet the player that they need to be to be a young producer or to be a producer uh, in the future maybe who is uh, a veteran making market value. But let's talk about it. These are all guys on their first contract still. Miles Boykin, Justice Hill, Trace McSorley, Patrick McCary, Ben Powers, and Matt Scurro. I mean, these are um, all guys, uh, you know, perhaps McSorley won't, I mean, you know, who knows what will happen there. But, I mean, obviously, you know, Boykin had a great preseason. You hope he, you know, he flashed a couple times during the year, but not, you know, not as much as we would have hoped, but we're not, you know, super passing offense either. So that's going to limit some of that. Um, but I mean, he had a better rookie year than a lot of Ravens rookie ride receivers in the past. So even though it wasn't much, but, and Justice Hill towards the end of the year, you started seeing a little more, uh, uh, usage of him and a little more, um, which is good for a rookie. Cause a lot of times they hit that wall and he seemed to, um, have a little more juice in him, I guess we'll say. So, um, so I think, you know, those guys could easily move up to that. And I mean, we're certainly hoping they move up to that young producer category. Uh, you know, Macari and powers, you, you hope they do too. I mean, I think Macari played better than anybody would have expected or hoped. I mean, I went once when we found out Skur was, you know, done for the season, it, it, it sounded a lot more ominous than it turned out to be. Um, I just I've, I've got to stop you there and say I don't really think he played all that well. Uh, okay. he, he didn't grade out well in, in, by my system. He graded out better uh, by PFF. But uh, McCary had a lot of problems with missed blocks this year and a lot of problems getting shed by players with longer arms. So I, I've got I've got real questions about him in terms of what he can be. He seems to bring a lot of versatility to the line, which I think could provide some valuable depth. 
I really question whether he'll ever be a starting center in the league in okay. terms of being a guy we can depend on year over year. Sure. And, uh, you know, uh, th- even if he's valuable depth as a undrafted free agent, that works out Terrific. pretty well. Yeah. Uh, and a spot starter, you know, a guy, if you need a game or two, or it was longer in this case, but, um, the, you know, that's not going to sink your season, which, you know, was a big concern I had at that point. Cause I mean, you know, that, that I, I mean, we, I, you know, we weren't sure where they're going to move Bozeman over or, you know, um, and then you're changing two positions. Yes. How powers is another one, you know, I think his uh, inactive status so often is was uh, is concerning, um, especially um, you know when when there were some bang, you know some people banged up. He still didn't seem to move off that inactive list. So I don't know if that's just he's redshirting or, or uh, hopefully that's all it is. And you know obviously there's going to be we'll get down the lower, but you know the lower uh, you know the big decision on the offense. Uh, is is what happens with Yonda. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to retire? And if he does, uh, it's nice cap savings, but I, I don't think there's anybody, any Ravens fan or anybody in the Ravens front office or on the team that wants that cap savings over having Marshall back next year. So, right. Let um, me speak to Ben Powers for a second. And, sure. and okay, let's try and go a player at a time here sure. uh, as we go through this. But But Powers had a really good game against Pittsburgh. And I had the same questions you did all during the year about – what kind of an indictment of his own ability is it and his practice, perhaps his habits, right. whatever, that he's not active. And we have Ronis Grasso and, you know, and right. active, right. And, right. And, and players like that who actually got in for a few snaps here and there. And, and I think what it ended up being is they wanted to basically only make one change. You mentioned, you know, the possibility of Bozeman getting moved. They might do that during the off season. It's a, it's a very real possibility without Skura that they have to consider moving Bozeman to center next year. But I didn't think they'd want to do it during the season. They didn't really didn't want to do it when Bozeman started to play well. Right. So he'd had a difficult start, and then he, then he started playing really well beginning that Seattle game, finished the year with seven straight games of a B or higher. And th- those are all you know individual block-graded plays where he's, you know, he's cut down on pass-blocking areas significantly, didn't have any mm-hmm. sacks after week six. So you know, th- that's – I, I know they didn't want to move him. So that's why you keep Ronis Grasso on the roster because there's no other reason other than you want to be right. able to plug and play a center. Right. Okay. And then they kept Hurst as the other one because they said, okay, he can be the guard or he can be the tackle right? as we need him. But then Powers, because he only plays guard, didn't have any swing value, and there isn't anybody who plays tackle and center only. So you, you really had to had to find a way to – minimize positional switches. So based on how well Powers played in that finale against Pittsburgh, against motivated and good interior Drop, defensive linemen, right. you know, I, I, I like what he did. I'm not at all worried. The other thing that I think may have been going on behind the scenes, and we don't know, is that the Ravens already kind of are aware that Yanda's not going to be here next year, and they've really been grooming Powers to be a right guard the whole time. And so they didn't plan for him to come in at right. center – or at left guard, they right. want him working the pivot on their right-handed offense and making sure he can block down on that defensive. I'm sorry, on yeah, on the nose tackle, and and then hold that uh, that point of attack. What was? Do you know what was he a right or left guard in college? Do you know? Uh, Powers left guard. Was yeah, left at guard. least in his last year at Oklahoma, in the games okay. I looked at, was left guard. Okay. Okay. So, all right. So yeah, I mean that that may well be, and it was just that you know the plan all along. Uh, God, I hope Yonda comes back for one more. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, he's, you know, he's just, and I just, he, he's such a good player, obviously, and he hasn't really slowed down much 
and then just watching his enjoyment, I guess, with yeah. Lamar now is just um, is that yeah. I mean, not, not saying anything bad about Flacco because I know they were very good friends, but it's just uh, that one play. I'm trying to remember which game it was. Where he's tapping him on the helmet and the yes, which, was that, it was that San Fran, right, yeah. right. So when he he followed and um, kind of flopped, Billy flopped on top of him, open space. Right. Yep. Yep. And then they're they're laying next to each other, and he's and he's like, "Good, good job, kid." He's like, "Not only he, he knows the kid's really good, obviously, but just the fact that you know that Lamar read what he was gonna what he was doing, and you know just followed him and did what he needed to do, um, and, and you know, so hopefully that's enough to bring him back, but. Um, now is he, another, a, is he a hall yeah. of famer? Yes. Yes, he is. I, he may wait a while to get in, but yeah, he's a certain hall of famer. Yeah, and the hard. reason I say it is because he's worked in the era of PFF and, and there's Perfect. enough of a reg, a relative grading measure for him that you're not relying on a bunch of stupid old sports writers. And right. we, I know we discussed that on the defense too. So we'll, we'll let it ride at that. But, but with, uh, the other moment I really loved from this year, and it showed you just like where the totem of leadership is on this team. It's the fourth and two at Seattle. So we all know the play. Mm, and right. and uh, he's on the sideline and, and Harbaugh goes, do you want to go for it? Hell yeah, coach. Let's go for it. Mm-hmm. Immediately the next thing on the tape is him turning Yada and going, you want to go for it? Yeah. <laughs> After he's already told the coach, yeah. that's the pecking orders. Harbaugh's yeah. asking one up to go to Lamar. Lamar's right. asking one to go to the ultimate authority. Right. Who's Yada. And I think I think the response was something to the effect of "Hell yeah!" yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that was those were nice moments. And uh, I mean, I you know, Yonda's never, I mean, he's you know, again, a great player, but he's he's never seemed to never seemed, and maybe just didn't notice it. I don't know, but that kind of exuberance was something new to me, at least noticing. And maybe maybe it's there, and I just hadn't noticed. But uh, I, he just seemed to have a ball this year. So hopefully, that's enough to bring him back for at least one more. Magical year, and and you know you you've been to camp a fair amount. I know, so so you've probably seen Terrell Suggs and the way he acts at camp. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, and it, you know it's infectious. But but Suggs just enjoying football in the waning years of his career with the Ravens and ev- every part of it. I think Yanda would be the same if he came back for another year. I really hope his family lets him do it. Uh, I kind of feel like they're the obstacle here. They're the ones we need to be negotiating with to to, to basically get him back. Yeah. But, uh, right. If, if you're going to structure it, do you think they probably would extend him by one year, give him some additional money effectively that would allow him to make effectively more than he than he would make just this season again? Well, that's what that's exactly what they did with the extension they did last mm-hmm. spring was they added the year. He got a little bump in salary um, and, you know, it. it you know, it, it created a little bit of dead money that wouldn't have existed otherwise this year. Um, because he would have been a free agent, but um, but they knew they had cap cap space to do it, and I I could see them doing that again. It's, and who knows again that next year it'd be even easier probably because the next CBA is going to you know jump up as opposed to the last time we had a CBA it jumped down da- it went down actually, uh, but this time it doesn't seem like anyway it's going down. And once these new um, TV contracts come along. Um, it's going to jump up substantially. So it might not jump huge the first year or two, but after that, it's going to go crazy. This is uh, a good point you're making, though. So with the ideal situation is basically you have a one-year deal then with Yonda because if you're going to lose him anyway, if, he's, if his choice is retirement or free agency at the end of the 2020 season, 
You'd rather he be a free agent, sign for two years with somebody else, which, by the way, that's adding three years to his career from now. Seems a little unlikely. Not going to happen, right? Not, yeah, not going to happen. But if it did, you'd at least get a comp pick payoff from it. That would be that would be something fairly significant, I would think, for a two year deal at at Yonda New CBA money. Well, yeah, and and who knows? Comp picks may not exist on the new CBA either, but um, but they prob they probably will, and so or they'll they'll actually add it because the comp picks are essentially the eighth round of the draft. Um, okay. so um, it's because there's 32 of them, so they would either go to an eight round draft and get rid of comp picks or or leave them in place. I, they're not going to because the players want one or the other. So, um. But yeah, I'm not sure. Well, and and because of Yonda's age and and uh, time experience in the league, the the top you could get would be a fifth round pick. Um, once you're, I think it's once you're ten years in the league, uh, you can only get that. The max you could get would be a fifth round pick, regardless of the size of the contract. I did not know that. So, for okay. instance, Suggs. Um, well, so right. So, f- for instance, well, his was actually I think his was in the fifth round range, but. Um, but for instance, Tom Brady or or Drew Brees or or Phil Rivers, we have these older quarter cornerbacks that are going to make. I mean, you know, they're still going to make fifteen, eighteen million or more. You know, I mean, even I mean, certainly Brees would and and Brady would. I'm not sure where Rivers would fall, but you know, they that would put them as you know third or fourth round comp picks. But the max you'll get uh, in that case for them would be a fifth, even if Brady signs somewhere for thirty million a year. It's going to be a fifth round pick. Um, fifth round comp it'll be the top one obviously of the fifth round so um you know that's so that's something that um the factor in uh, yes i mean so they are better off with yonda being on this one if he's going to retire if he says this is my last year then it doesn't make any sense if you are trying to provide him a carrot of well let's leave let's let's leave next year open too and you know we'll give you a little more money this year and you know give you a decent salary next year and maybe that'll entice you to come back for this year at least then there, you know, it, that may be money well spent, even if you're, you know, losing a few cap dollars next year in dead money because you know you got him this year as a at a point where you think you're, you know, you got to gonna have your Super Bowl aspirations. All right, all right. Well, uh, let's move on to the veterans playing for market value since we've gone through some of these sure. developmental players. Uh, I've got ten guys in this category, and it is not a free agent laden group. There are 15 on the defense in this category with nine free agents. Here there's 10, but only with two free agents. And I did include the Wolf Pack here too. So they're they're included here beefing up this category that otherwise be quite small on offense. Ten guys, Nick Boyle, Morgan Cox, Robert Griffin, Mark Ingram, Sam Cook, Patrick Ricard, Seth Roberts, a free UFA, Willie Sneed, just re-upped, Justin Tucker, and Marshall Yonda. So I did not include Chris Moore. It's actually Chris Moore is in a transitional category. So there's only right. one guy in the veterans playing for market value that's a free agent, and that's Roberts. Yeah, I mean they it's a it's a it's a nice group, and and to be honest with you, none of them were overpaid, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which sometimes you you're playing for market value, but you kind of like maybe a, be a little less. Um, I mean Boyle's Boyle might be the only one that because he's just a blocking tight end, although he you know, showed up more in the passing game this year than he ever has. Um, You know, obviously Cox is, you know, I mean, he's a long snapper, so he's reasonable. Um, Ingram's was a great deal. um, Absolutely great deal. Cook's in the last year of his deal. um, But, you know, for a punter, yeah, I mean, he didn't punt as much granted this year as he has in the past, but he was just as good. Uh, You know, Tucker's top of the market, but you'll, 
you won't complain about that. Uh, they just re up Snead. Um, Seth Roberts. <laughs> I don't want to get into Seth Roberts. Um, go, go ahead. Talk, pick, pick one player at a time. Just pick a player you want to talk about uh, off this group, and we'll go back and forth. All right. Well, I was going to say Seth Roberts, that drop was horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, that was terrible. Uh, if he catches that ball, he probably runs into the end zone. And um, so, but he, if, if they bring him back, it's not, you know, I mean, he's going to be fighting with, uh, they probably aren't going to bring him back, but I mean, he's a guy that he's not going to not command much anyway. Um, I, I mean, I honestly, I don't have a whole lot to say about any of them just because they're, they're all um, living up to their contracts and doing great. And for the most part, doing great jobs. I mean, I guess, RG3, of these guys, none of them are getting cut. Uh, RG3 would be the only one, possibly. And that is if they felt McSorley was ready. But I think they value uh, um, his mentorship to with Lamar. So I don't see RG3 going anywhere. And he's cheap for a backup. Um, so, I, I mean, otherwise, like I said, I, there's nothing bad to say about any of them. And they're all playing for, uh, you know, they're all on good deals. And they're all playing up to their deals. Okay, so I'm going to hit on a couple here. Sure. We'll start with Nick Boyle, but Patrick Ricard really is in the same breath. So Nick Boyle signed a three-year, $18 million deal roughly. I'm in the ballpark on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it it was seemingly a lot – a lot of people made fun locally of the fact that the Ravens announced the Nick Boyle signing as, as right. if it was a big deal. But the fact of the matter was it's a huge deal in building the offense around Lamar Jackson. He's a, he's a critical part of it as one of these flexible tight ends who can block like hell for you. And he's the, he's the best blocker by far of the group and really blocks like a, like an additional lineman allows you to get those double teams that you want on the inside that really make the read option run. And, Patrick Ricard, a similar player. Now, he, he has not played as many snaps this year as one might have expected, but when they've run, wanted to run the ball, Patrick Ricard's been a big part of that, and he's also been very good in terms of getting out to the side and providing some complementary value as a receiver that they hadn't really been taking advantage of too much before this year. I, I love both those players, and I think they're both critical to building an offense around Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. You know, I mean, a lot of and a lot of people were, oh, the Ravens love their tight ends. They just signed their third tight end to, you know, to an eighteen million dollar contract, and certainly that. Um, but uh, you know what? Um, I don't think anybody once they saw the offense and saw how. Uh, I mean, you, and you could see it last year. I mean, you could already see it last year in, in what they were doing. But I mean, this year, I you know, obviously the offense went to a different level, and you could really see um, how much Boyle meant to that. So I don't think anybody is would make fun of that contract now. I, I hope not. I mean, Boyle, the bigger concern was the injuries and PED problems that had occurred during his first four years, but there was so much interest in him league-wide as probably the best blocking tight end in the league. He's up there with with Kittle and some other guys who are not receivers at all in terms of being the the – you know, one of the best blockers at tight end anyway in the league. Right. Yeah, there was interest, and that's why that forced them to 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 basically say, "We believe in you going forward. Let's yeah. hope it doesn't happen again." Right. But uh, but let's sign a big deal. So it's it's good. He seems to have grown up from in in those terms. Absolutely. In, in terms yeah. of not having a problem this year. Yeah, and you know, it, it, I guess you can also. I mean, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but you can make the argument that now he's that his future is secure. He doesn't need the PEDs. If he plays poorly, then you know he's made he's made his money to an extent. So, um, so hopefully, hopefully that and everything else, he's just grown up. But right. you know, there's there's that argument to be made too. Or not coming back from injury or whatever it might have been. Right, I'm not sure right. exactly how well, it was right. tied up with that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was. Right. 
So in this group, we have Willie Sneed, we had Miles Boyk in the developmental category, and we have Marquise Brown in the young producer category. That's, that's three players who make a decent foundation for your wide receiver core if you don't bring back Seth Roberts. Right. Are you thinking they will go draft one draft, one free agent to fill out that free agent group, to, to fill out that, that wide receiver group? It's been a free agent group for so yeah. long. Yeah. Well, you and you've got um, – it's going to be further down, but you got Jaleel Scott as well. Um in you know, and obviously he was inactive pretty much every game, but in the preseason he looked really good. So, uh, I mean, I guess there's some hope there, but he's certainly, I guess, he's going to be in he's finishing third, third year. year, right? No, finishing two now, go to third. Finishing two, so he's going to third. So there's that declining value there, at least on the rookie deal. So, I, I my my biggest thing about wide receiver is I'm just not sure you're going to get a top-notch free agent wide receiver. And I actually haven't looked at the free agent list at this point, and there'll be cuts as well. But um, just because what are you going to – if you're the number if, – if I mean, Brown's going to – you might catch more than Brown because Brown's going to get the long ones, and, but, and he'll have more yards. But what are you going to catch, 50 balls in this no, offense? No, not that, not that right. many. <laughs> right, right. So even if you're the number one. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously Lamar could progress even more as a pass, passer, and that could change. But – um, you know, got a younger receiver you're not going to get because if he signs a four-year deal and he catches 200 passes over four years, if if he catches 200 passes over the four years and he's hitting free agency when he's four years older, he's not going to get that kind of, he's not going to get the kind of deal he wants because the numbers aren't there. Um, now again, they look at more than just raw numbers, I, I realize, but, um, but, uh, you know, that's just – and wide receivers notoriously want the glory. I don't know what it is about wide receivers. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. Um, so I think getting a – a and, I, again, I don't know who's out there, but, a, you know, a guy coming off of a rookie deal is not going to happen. So, the, so the, the one that keeps – the name keeps coming up is A.J. Green, whether or not the Ravens will on him. I, I'm a hard no on A.J. Green. Right. At well, the, age thirty-one or whatever he is right now, right, and that, but that's probably more not necessarily him, but that's probably more the you know the Mason, the Bolden. Um, not that they need that kind of receiver because needs sort of in that that range, but that older receiver um, on their last deal or you know uh, their last big deal, maybe we'll say that because um, I think that's the only kind of free agent you're going to get. Otherwise, you're going to have to go wide receiver. Uh, in the draft and that, you know, you probably need somebody in the first or second round who's going to at least be somewhat plug inable and that that's not even, you know, not always the case anyway. Um, and then you just have to, if that's the case, then you, you bring back a guy like Roberts or you take a, you know, a, a guy that at one point, you know, had some shine on him and then had a couple injuries and, you know, you take that chance Um you know, so I, that that's going to be, you know, along with the secondary, I think the wide receiver position is probably the most, well, and the, I guess the O-line if, if Yonda retires, but those are probably the most interesting off-season decisions that are there, the D-line too. But uh, so there's, there's, there's more than I thought as I start yeah. <laughs> ticking them off. But, um, but I think the wide receiver, because it's going to be so key to get somebody, and I guess the, you have to decide what type of wide receiver do you want now, you know, um, Kansas City's got a bunch of little wide receivers, 
mm-hmm. you know, running all over the place. So it's not like you need the days of needing that six four wide receiver. It, maybe it's not, you know, not as necessary, but. I'm going to just step in there. I think it still is as necessary. I think the Ravens feel it is. And that's one of Miles Boykin's real assets is the ability to block downfield. He's just been remarkably good at that. True, true blocking. I wasn't, yeah, I was thinking more of the receiver element. But yes, blocking is obviously a very important in this offense. Um, and, I, you know, a bigger wide receiver generally, if they have to fight for contested balls because Lamar's accuracy isn't the best, then, you know, a bigger bodied wide receiver. I tell you, coming into last year's draft, um, A.J. Brown was the, was the wide receiver I wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to Tennessee because he's that Bolden type guy, but with, with more speed than Bolden had. And he's got, I mean, he's, he's had so many yak plays this year. It's crazy. I'm not complaining about Marquise Brown because I think he's a very great fit for this offense. But I was amazed that A.J. Brown lasted until the second round and, you get one or the other. You don't get both. No, you can't get case. both. No, we didn't have a second round pick, so we certainly couldn't get both. But, um, but it would. It was just that was that that kind of that kind of yak guy who can you know fight for the ball is just something that would be that would be something special to have too. Other fans of the show will know Coach Evans, who's on the show fairly regularly, to talk about offense or defense, had to coach against AJ Brown in his high school league. Mm-hmm. The uh, uh, Florida Panhandle and, uh, you know, very, very challenging receiver to try and deal with, needless to say. The other one, DK Metcalf, also in that league. Right. Wow. That's a hell of a league. <laughs> that is. That is. I mean, you know, just wide receivers in, in high school are obviously, I mean, more and more happening now. But, I mean, that's that's probably the hardest thing to develop in high school just because the passing games are, are not up to snuff. But I guess when you have a big guy like that, you can just throw it to them and they'll, they'll make the play. All right. So uh, anybody else on this list we really talk about? Well, I don't think we need to talk about the Wolfpack. I, I, you no. know, Sam Cook was a guy whose job might have been in jeopardy. They always kind of think it is. People always have the next Kari Vedvik and replacing right. his position yeah. or whatever. Thank goodness, no. I I, by know. the way, I don't know if you heard it, but there's some local mayoral candidate named Thiru, T-H-I-R-U, which mm-hmm. is short for – are you aware of him? No, no. Okay, so it's it's, a, it's an Indian name, but but uh, but he apparently he got pulled over for driving on a suspended license. Asked the cops to turn off his body camera. There's another person in the car, and apparently the other person in the car was Kari Vedvik. At least that's what I'm hearing reported. Weird. It is weird as anything. So wow. he's back in Baltimore, riding around with some politician. Right. I have no verification of this, by the way. Right. I've heard it, seen it all over Twitter. Uh, you know, that's I, funny. I, I don't know whether or not it's uh, it, it's correct, but it was You know, I did see the article on that, and there is a picture, I assume, of the candidate. But I, I, my recollection is you can't see the, the passenger. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's just bizarre. I it is what, bizarre. What neighborhood were they in? Were they in the wrong neighborhood again? Well, wrong... hopefully not. Yeah, hopefully not the yeah. neighborhood where Corey Vedvik had the problem yeah. before. Yeah, he did, show you that area. Yeah, he <laughs> did get signed by somebody um, again, but I can't remember who it was, but – um, that was that was a stroke of genius for uh, getting a fifth round pick is just that might be one of the best trades ever made. <laughs> and then, and then, <laughs> Even though it's only a fifth round pick, but and then and then of course it, it I was hoping that the pick would be used alone for a Hall of Famer. Yeah, that would yeah. be the best. But they did almost the next best thing, the next best thing, which was trade it for basically half of the value needed to acquire Marcus Peters. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the other half, it was Kenny young and I could put a fourth round value on Kenny young originally when he's drafted and not feel bad about it. There's no way in hell I could put a fourth round value on Kenny oh, young no. when he was traded. 
No. Yeah. And I mean, he, he barely played for the Rams. So, uh, I mean, that was just a total salary dump, um, which I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I I don't remember if they needed to do that just to fit. Um, I think so. Fit him in under the cap this year. I mean, I know for future years, but you'd think they would have been better off with Peters hitting the free agent market and, yeah, they get the cup pick then. They yeah. would have made sense be a, if they could afford third it. Or, third or fourth, which would have been better than what they got. But right. I guess uh, but I, there clearly seemed to be something else going on there. It seems like that <laughs> it's, it's the parties weren't getting along, I guess. Yeah. It's it's literally, I mean, if you look at where those picks are going to be, it's between 4 and 7% of the value that was traded for Ramsey was what they traded to get Peters. Oh yeah, and, and I mean it's it's like, when you hear pennies on the dollar. Sometimes usually it means yeah. forty seven cents or sixty five cents or something like that. Literally, it's like four cents or five cents. Right? Yeah, yeah. That that that. Uh, and then when you you know, I mean, even if it was a just a uh, you know half season rental, it was worth it. And then once yeah. you get them resigned, it's you know it, it's a it's a home run. Well, it's a, it, I, we can talk about that for a second because they I think they got value out of the contract and they got value out of some of the market frictions that were holding over Peter's head, namely the, the tag, but they normally any value you get from a player you draft, if you don't realize it on that original deal, there's only a little layer left in terms of market value frictions that get you a better than market value deal on that player down the road. Now you do have the choice. You can, you can pick the guys who fit your scheme better, but are, how would you, how do you look at that in terms of, you know, seeing if you're really realizing draft value for a player. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, run that. I'm sorry. Run okay. That, so so here's, here's the idea. You, you, you have your, you have, you draft a player and you get him cheap for four years or right. five years in the, on the rookie deal, but whatever, whatever you get out of him during that first five years, that's about 90% of the value you get from the draft pick. Right. After that, the only value you get is from the residual frictions that are built into the CBA, transition tag, franchise tag, uh, 50-year option. You could look at that as one. But, but the things that help you sign a cheaper deal long-term with a star player, those are the only additional components you get. Now, you also get the choice of getting able to pick the cornerstone players you want and have early negotiation rights with those guys and whatnot. So there's some maybe, – maybe I could believe it was 15%. But it ain't fifty percent, and it ain't forty percent. And if you think no. we got we got most of the value from Ray Lewis after the fourth, fifth year of his deal, you're crazy. Most of it, most of it was realized in the first year. And they did actually come out pretty well, thinking cheap contracts with Ray Lewis that lasted a long time after. So he might be a bad example. But most players, you don't get very much in terms of value on that second and third contract relative to cap. No, not at all. No, not at all. And certainly the the third contract, because you know, I mean, you're usually eating dead money at some point in that one um, because the, the player declines and you have to get rid of him or, um, you know, or, I mean, that would be what would be the perfect example of that, you know, that he, he was on his third contract and it just, you know, um, or he retired, not in Weddle's case, or he retires and, you know, you're left holding, um, you know, dead money in that case too. Second contracts, I guess are, you know, a, a little more and, you know, it depends. I mean, if it's a superstar, you're getting your worth, but you're also paying for that worth mm-hmm. through the nose. Um, if it's a lesser player who blossoms during the second contract, I mean, that could be somewhat akin to a rookie deal because you got him, you know, you got him for one price and his production turned out to be higher. Um, but, you know, that's, 
you know, that, you know, that's what they were hoping with Jefferson. And obviously that didn't happen that way. Um, but I think you're right. Though. I think the bargain bin players are where you're more likely to uncover value, but you have to kiss a lot of frogs there to, to come yeah. up with one, one Prince. And the, the guy that they, uh, you know, they've gotten a lot of good ones over the years. I mean, Corey Harris was in that Corey mm-hmm. Graham, Corey Graham was, was a, in that. He was yeah. terrific. Uh, you know, and, and he left and he got a big deal after that. Uh, yeah. you know, they, and there's been other players certainly they've signed in these in these smaller deals, but then if they, they sign a ton of them, I mean they, they, they there are a lot of such deals, and I'd really have to aggregate them to see if if in general it'd be an interesting project by the way, Brian, go through and look at all the smaller mm-hmm. deals say, between some threshold between one and four million say that the Ravens have signed players for, uh, and you'd have to have it somehow relative to the cap in a given year, and mm-hmm. then. And then see how many had really worked out for them. I'd, I'd be interested in doing a project like that with you if you want to help me define it. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, and you know, I mean, but the, for for every you know Corey Harris and Corey Graham, there's Carnell Lake. Yes. You know, and and deals that man, we got Carnell Lake. You know, we got <laughs> we didn't get the Carnell Lake we had seen play and all, play for other teams. Yeah. You know, um, so it was a tight end they drafted. I, I Ben. The guy they drafted, the guy they not they drafted, they signed at the same time. Who retired with four hundred ninety nine career catches? They signed him with Sharp. No, played oh, 15. Um, um, Ben Coates. Ben Coates. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, I mean, he had had monster years. Although he was, I, he was pretty valuable that run as a second tight end. But yeah, I mean, he was a shadow of his former self. I'm not playing to the, too many snaps. Yeah, the all pro, the all pro years he had had with uh, with uh, New England. So. <laughs> All right. Anyway, love to work on that project with you, but let's move Sounds on in, in terms of this one. Veteran cap value concerns. I have just one guy in this category, like one for the defense. It's James Hurst. Uh, I don't think the Ravens have got the value they hope to get out of what they signed him for at four years, $17 million. Obviously, he was coming off a decent season at guard, and I think they'd hoped he played there and also provide swing coverage as a tackle. Yeah, that was it was that was an, kind of an odd deal, especially especially because – then by the time they got to that season, it was clear they didn't. I don't. They didn't really intend them to be a starter. You know, I mean, they, they or or he was just a bridge at that point for Orlando Brown. So, um, I, I, yeah. So that was an odd deal. Um, he he's not making. I mean, his his cap numbers five million, I think. Um, and there's there's you know there's. Two point seven five million in in cap in uh, cap relief if he's if he's cut. I mean he this year he I, I, you know he played pretty well. I mean some of them were blowouts, so you know I, I don't know how you measure those, but I thought he played pretty well against the Steelers, um, playing left tackle no less, um, and you know and that's probably not where he should be anywhere right. on the offensive line. So, um, so, I mean, there's still, I still think there's some value there to him. Uh, if you, and it, then of course, if Yonder retires, then, you know, his, the depth he provides probably is even more important. So, and they've got the cap space. I mean, if they were, if they only had five, if they're going into the season with only 5 million in cap space, you know, then, uh, you know, he's a goner. <laughs> right. You got you to find it from somewhere. And it's, it's, it's a, it's not a huge chunk, but it's a decent chunk. Um, they, it's hard to find a backup tackle is the one thing the, the, the problem is that I don't really believe Hurst is a backup tackle. Well, and, I, and yeah. yeah his, I his, his year this year, 
is I, I really bifurcated into the into the three games the Dolphins, Bengals, and Rams where he played in relief, and the Ravens are already running, a lot of read option involved, even with Griffin in the game, allows him the simpler down block, move to level two. They're, they're not hard blocks. They're, that's a, that's an easier situation to come in and play left tackle. Right. And, and, he, and against the Jets, they blew him out. So they were ahead. They ran the ball as much as they wanted to in that game. And basically the Jets either had to use controlled rush lanes at, at left tackle, which allows him to just you know, concentrate on the bull rush more than anything. And when they're running the read option, he still has the easier blocks to make. So I thought in that game he was fine. And, and that was, by the way, his second best start ever. Hmm. He had 17 previous starts in his career at left tackle. That was his second best ever. Okay. His next start was against the Steelers. And the Steelers, um, first of all, the game was closer. So they had more options defensively in terms of what they did. And the, and the Ravens had Griffin at quarterback, so it wasn't as much of a easy read option game for the Ravens to play. So they, they, were, they were used less controlled rush lanes, and he didn't hold up to that at all. So he had a D in that game. And it, it's just it's, it's a case where I think that's what you, exactly what you can expect from James Hurst. I think he produces at the replacement level exactly, which is not, good, not a good level to, to be producing at, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, at left tackle, and it's it's uh, it's too dangerous to have him in there in a game that might be close, or the game where the Ravens, you know, God forbid, might have to come back. Right. Well, I mean, and you know, I that's part of you know we've talked about draft picks. There's the nine draft picks and where and how they use them, and it certainly would be nice for them to get a true tackle as yes. to, you know a ba- true backup tackle in there. And um, I mean, they've they've certainly seemed to try over the years, but. Uh, you know, I, I my guess is he is not Hurst is here probably for the season, um, unless he gets beat out, truly beat out. He's not a he's not a cap cut. He's a he's a we have a bet we have nine better linemen cut, and okay. that that and I I, so I don't I I don't I'd be surprised if anything happens in um in in March or April. Now you know if. If they if they have to tag Judon or if they decide to tag Judon, you know th- that guy kind of creates some different, you know, th- th- the economics become different because that's less dollars to do other things. And depending upon what their plan to do with you know what with other things are, then maybe that's enough. But two point seven five million is not a lot of cap savings. Um, so I, I, that that that's the one. I, I think his becomes a more of a talent thing in camp um and if they could save the money then then sure uh why not because you know you're not gonna if if you got if you got a better tackle and you got a better backup you know you've got better backup swing tackle now and you've got guards that are equal then why not pay the you know pay the rookies and the younger guys so right. i think i think that's probably where a decision is made unless i mean who knows i mean Costa may be swinging for the fences and he may have five top free agents he's trying to sign. That's an exaggeration, but you know, and so at that case, you know, they, they want that too. And that 2.75 million, because they have a different, they have, a, a, you know, kind of a different plan and they've got, you know, these three guys, top guys, they want to go sign. So I mean, well, it, never it, know, it, but that, that would surprise me obviously in all, all sorts of ways. The, the guy I, I think I was sorry to see leave was Gregory Sinat. Because he he seemed to be a guy who physically fit that left tackle position. It's the one that's distinct physically from all the other positions along the line. Requires length, requires feet, primary to be pass to be a good pass blocker. 
And it's, it's, it surprised me that they did not make more of an effort to keep him. Admittedly, he was already in year two. It redshirted him once, but it just was surprising to me that they didn't make a bigger effort there. Well, and I mean, he was always a, a, a developmental guy mm-hmm. uh, anyway, and he's, he's on the Chiefs, right? No, he's on, uh, he's on injured reserve with the Chiefs. Um, so I was try, I couldn't remember where he ended up. So, um, yeah, they, they, he was on the active roster for eight weeks or so, it looks like. Um, so, yeah, they claimed him directly off of waivers because I'm sure the Ravens wanted to get him onto the, um, onto the practice squad. Um, uh, but, you know, so, I mean, that's, you know, it's, I, I guess the theory with sometimes the theory with those kind of developmental guys is well, we can go get another one if we need it. And, you know, maybe there's a seventh round flyer this year on something like that, but it would be to me. And one of those fourth round picks maybe would be a nice place to go for a, a swing tackle, um, you know, and cause you're probably not going to sign a veteran for at this point, what you owe Hurst, you're probably going to have to pay a veteran swing tackle roughly the same. Right. Um, so, you know, that's why part of the reason I, unless it's a draft pick that beats him out for that spot, I, I think he's probably here. Okay. So they, they can have a bad veteran swing tackle like Parker Anger for, uh, for that price. Right. <laughs> well, for not, yeah. For veteran minimum. Yeah. I'd be like, it's Andre yeah, Smith I, might be available at that kind of price. I, 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 I cannot, for the life of me, I cannot understand the signing. But it, but they made it. <laughs> it was kind of odd, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of odd. Um, but maybe, you know, I mean, now he hasn't signed any with anybody. I don't know if that's one of those, we'll sign you now. We're not, God forbid, we ever need you. But, you know, you can be here for what they what they were hoping were for a couple of weeks. And, you know, maybe that would lead into uh, something for next year. I don't know. Um yeah, it, it, it's Ozzy's not in charge anymore, so it can't be the Alabama connection. But um, so, uh, yeah, that was an odd one, you know, and maybe they, you know, maybe it is a guy, maybe it is a, a guy they signed for the veteran minimum who plays better than Hurst. And they're like, well, you know what? Maybe it's not a draft pick. Maybe just another another guy. And they're like, you know what? He's played better during camp and during preseason, and he's he's making the veteran minimum. And, you know, you're making more, and we can save cash and cap space. And sometimes that cash considerations is important. We're not going to pay you, you know, $3 million to sit on the bench when we can pay this guy, um, you know, 800,000 and he's, he can do just as good of a job. Right. And Smith, a guy, I think got to be at the top of his list to get a ring now at his point in his career where the, the, the last few grains of sand are running out of the hourglass. Uh, you know, this is his year. If he if he can find a way to sneak onto a roster, that's going to well, be a champion. I, I guess. I mean, I'm the, when they contacted him, he was probably like, "Sure, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. it was. I'm sure it was a no brainer. Absolutely. I, I'm. I, I don't. You know, I'm fat and out of shape, but I'll probably I'll be happy to come and sit on your bench." It's an odd odd career. He he was a good player at one time, but the, oh, the yeah. entire thing with his agent and coming in and being on hard knocks in that first year did not do his reputation any good throughout his career. Just uh, no, absolutely a, not. A weird situation. Let's talk about the transitional players while we're there, because Andre Smith is in that group. Randon Cresselius is still on injured reserve, I believe, <laughs> with the team. Yes, uh, two years in a row. Yes, probably not going to be around, but but he's in this transitional category, and that's a, that's a reason why Parker Parker injured. No, no reason why. He would be around that I am aware of for next year, but he fits into a pool of eighth and ninth offensive linemen yep. from which you may have to make a choice. 
Right. And, you know, he's, he may be not one of those guys they've re-signed to the minimum and, you know, he doesn't, that's not saying, you know, he's one of 90. So it's not saying he's going to be one of the 53 down the road. So is, is RFA tender or whatever? Oh, that's right. He's an RFA. Right. So, right. So he will not get an RFA tender. I think no, so he would, he would get signed at a, at a league minimum. Right. They and would, then he, and right. then that'll be not guaranteed or guaranteed in some very small way. Right. So, I mean, you know, they've done that in the past where they've given the guy, you know, 50 grand as a mm-hmm. signing bonus and then the veteran minimum. So he's making, you know, um, 1.2, 1.4 million less than he would under the RFA, but he gets that, you know, 50 grand, 100 grand, you know, parting gift if, when they cut him in September. Right. Um, so, but that's, you know, I, so he might be, I forgot he was the RFA. So that, I mean, he's definitely not getting a tag, but it, that's, um, but it doesn't mean he won't, they, you know, so they don't give him, they, they don't tender him and maybe they sign him in June. Who knows, you know, something like that. And I honestly couldn't tell. I haven't tagged as a UFA. I see here in the article I have posted. I need to fix that. But uh, but I but I, I asked you beforehand, and you said he was an RFA. And he's he's one of these guys. He's been around since 2016 in the league, but then he missed an entire year. And I don't know what the how that works with his RFA status. Yeah, he he missed he so he's he's okay there. Um, but there was there was another year because I actually had to go back and and go through each year and how many games he played. Um, so he, he got, he, he, so he had three, so he's has, basically he has three years, one year. He did not actually this past year, he did not get enough games to, to move towards, um, towards free agency. Cause he pl- only was on our roster for five games. You, okay. have to be on, you have to be on for six. So he didn't get an accrued season this year. Um, so he, then he, so he had 16, 17, 18 were accrued years, even though, he was on IR, you get an accrued year. So he only has the three accrued years, which makes him an RFA. Okay. I've seen him actually listed as an ERFA in some places. So um, they're, he's, they're all over the board, but I, I feel pretty confident in that one. I, I feel pretty confident accepting your judgment on all <laughs> on all matters of this. Ronis Grasso been around for a couple tours now for the Ravens. He had just a handful of snaps this year. Uh, I don't see him being part of the team. And the, the rest of the group, I'm just going to name them. Pick a player you want to talk about. Chris Moore, Jaleel Scott, Andre Smith, DeAnthony Thomas. Yeah, I mean, Moore, um, you know, I think he's going to go somewhere where he feels he's got a better shot. Um, not sure he's going to get a better shot anywhere, but, you know, I think he's just one of those guys that um, I would be surprised if if he wants to come back just because, you know, it, there was a time it looked like he was going to get, a you know, more of a chance and then he didn't and obviously didn't this year at all. So, um Big year in 18 because he, he right. caught 19 out of 25 balls. And you know what? He was a bad ball catcher, which which to me I thought would be more valuable. And you've mentioned it already for, for other receivers on this thing. He, you know, he, had a, he had a large catch radius, and I thought that could help with Lamar Jackson if there's a little bit of a lack of accuracy and whatnot, balls thrown behind him. He's a guy who's not afraid to go back for it. Uh, I thought that would help him. But, you know, obviously midseason he's in a scrap with Harbaugh over – well, probably playing right. time, we assume. Right. Um, and he continued to be a great special teams player. But, uh, you know, I just got to feel like a guy who had 25 targets and 19 receptions is, is thinking, I re- there's, you know, I got to get my chance as a receiver somewhere. Right. Yeah, I just think he's – I just think that's 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 his – 
you know, the, and I think I forgot about the Harbaugh thing, and that generally seems to be um, the 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 last step off the uh, the ledge in this case. So, you know, Scott, we hope he, um, you know, I mean, his big body, another big body, you know, it would be great if if he and Boykin took a step, and you didn't, I mean, you didn't need somebody. I understand why he wasn't active, you know, this year, but it would be really nice. And I guess the question is how good is he on special teams i don't remember from the preseason but because he's probably stepping up into that chris moore i'm active and hopefully seeing the field role um so but hopefully that comes along with special teams um you know the other good let me talk about scott for a second yeah, because yeah. he is a big body and it's quite possible he could develop into a good downfield blocker also and even though chris moore hadn't been used as a receiver he was still used a fair amount as a blocker mm-hmm. so it could be that scott could become a guy like that. What I don't think they need him for anymore is to be a red zone threat. To, to be a to be a jump ball threat, that's a different category, and he could still have value there. Boykin, I think, is the primary, mm-hmm. but Jaleel Scott could be a jump ball threat. But it, Jackson's maneuverability and ability to create throwing lanes uh, really means you don't have to have a true red zone threat in the in the fact that you you always need to throw the fade route or a high ball up between the goalposts. We we call zipper to try and uh, you know, go after a football. You, you have many options, and, and you, can, you have time to create additional options and throwing lanes and arm angles and whatnot with Jackson to just true. give you more chances to get the ball to a receiver without having to throw a fade. That's true. That's very true. Yeah, and um, it, you know, I, I just think about the, the taller, bigger, taller receivers you know, in general have the, the larger catch radius um, so that it, some, the somewhat inaccurate throws, as you were talking about with, with – with, uh, Chris Moore, or just a minute or two ago, you know, you'd like to think that that helps Lamar out a little more because, I mean, you know, I remember, you know, I mean, not every, I mean, some quarterbacks are obviously incredibly accurate. I mean, there's no question about that. But, I mean, I don't know how many times Brett Favre got his receivers killed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and he's in the Hall of Fame. He threw high and they would just, you know, they would get beat up. Um, so, I mean, that's, you know, I mean, accuracy, you, you need, but you, that's what you need. He had great receivers, though he kind of ended two of their careers, but, <laughs> um, you know, that, um, but that, you know, they were, they would catch, they would make those catches like Anquan Bolden would, you know, would a lot. So, uh, I mean, that's the thing they need more than anything is, is just a little more help at wide receiver. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice if Scott could do that. Um, certainly if, if Boykin takes the next step, but you know, obviously these, some of these decisions have to, are going to be made before they get that chance um, because they're going to, they're going to draft or they're going to sign somebody probably very likely before that they're not going to go in. Um, I mean, I guess they could go in with those, those four as their top four guys next year, but I'd be surprised. very unlikely. I'd be surprised. Yeah. I think they'll, they'll at least have a draft pick. That draft pick will be thought of more highly, even if he's only a fourth-round draft pick who has approximately the same uh, prognosis or whatever you want to call it as Chris Moore. Right. You know, you wouldn't wouldn't be uh, – the, the, the other guy is interesting. He actually got a few snaps on offense is DeAnthony Thomas, but they, clearly they aren't committed to him as a return man. Wow, no. And, and he's an older guy. He's not a, he's not a first-contract guy, yeah. so, so I think he's probably gone. Uh, yeah, we'll I think so. Yeah, I mean, he might be a guy they bring back because he's not going to cost anything, and you know, hopefully, have some kind of competition for him. But uh, I mean, he held onto the ball, which you know, we'll we'll say is better than uh, what Cyrus Jones was doing. But those two blocking penalties 
were just the dumbest penalties. Yeah, blocking well. after the fair catch yeah, is what yeah, guys yeah. about horrible penalties. Yeah, I mean, just it, I mean, it's it's. I don't know if he didn't know what it was the first time, but you certainly knew what it was, knew it was a, a rule the second time, and mm-hmm. um, and in such a you know in such an important game, and I mean that just that just set them back. And, and, yeah, that's uh, that's one of those cardinal sins that um, often get you asked not uh, not get gas not get asked back. <laughs> All right. I tell you what, let's go on to a few mailbag questions. I'm sure we have some here on the offense like we did on the defense. Of course we do. Uh, Now, see, you keep saying like we had on the defense. You keep referencing the defense podcast. It hasn't came out yet. We recorded (laughs) them in the wrong order. So defense, everyone, don't worry. It's coming out in probably a day or two. But let's get to the mailbag questions using the hashtag film study mailbag. Um. This offseason, is it time for the Ravens front office to go for a top-notch wide receiver or a pass rusher? Which one is a bigger priority, and uh, how do you, what type of receiver would you pair with Hollywood? Okay, I'll, I'll start on this. Sure. Not, absolutely, an, an edge rusher is a bigger need than wide receiver. I would not put wide receiver in the top four needs for the Ravens. I'd put it behind defensive interior, edge, uh, interior of the offensive line and inside linebacker. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, I, I wide receiver is, um, I mean, I, I think edge is just, uh, you know, I think edge is the one that, uh, to, to me, uh, you know, and, you know, and obviously if Yonda goes into your offensive line comes up the defensive line, there's only, well, I guess there's four returning players, but only two of them actually played this year. And the other two were practice squad guys who are now, I guess if you um, maybe they're not even returning players. I don't know. Um, but they're, you know, so I, I think, uh, yeah, wide receivers, you're going to get that veteran guy or you're going to get the draft pick, but I don't, I don't see them going for a top notch guy. And I'll see a top notch guy coming here, as we said earlier. So, um, edge. Um, I, I think they'll, the defensive line will probably come mostly through the draft. Uh, but edge, I think is, I mean, if you're, if you ask me now what, what our first round pick is going to be, and obviously who knows the way the, you know, the board will fall, but, um, I got to say edge is along with a veteran, I got to say a young pass rusher is, 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 is key. Well, I'll say this. If, if Eric DaCosta drops drafts opposite the team's need and drafts, an offensive well, he would it won't. I just couldn't see it being an offensive tackle. But if he if he drafts a running back, or if he drafts a tight end, or if he drafts a cornerback in the first round, it'd be the kind of thing where it's so completely opposite the team's needs that I have to believe it's going to be a very good player. Well, and that's true. I mean, they, Derwin they, James would have fell into that category. Right, right, right. Um, they certainly. Uh, I mean, they've they've done it before i guess i mean you know humphrey was not necessarily something they needed at that time um going way back heap was you know of course we they knew what their cap was going to be and we didn't realize that a year later you know shannon sharp and and everybody else was going to be gone but um yeah i mean i i just i just would be shocked with that too and i i I, certainly running back quarterback none of those so it and who knows maybe there's a, i mean a, there's gen often some really good interior defensive linemen that um you know fall into that late first round early second round and that may be 
it's not sexy, but that may be the pick they they want and need to make at that point if it's not edge. Right. I, I agree. I think that's that's a high likelihood of a pick there late in the first round. The, the, the interesting question would be this. We've had obviously receivers, I think, have dropped in terms of their expected draft position in the last couple of drafts. Mm-hmm. I think that's been true. I think that even some of the guys that people are screaming up and down for the Ravens to take at 16, like DJ Moore. And who was the other guy that went in the end to the Falcons? Um, yeah, the guy from Alabama. Um He's he's pretty good, but he's not yeah. Ridley, Ridley. Ridley, yeah, Calvin Ridley. Okay, so so those are the two guys that the Ravens just had to have at sixteen, and people are screaming up and down, and, and you know, me, and obviously you, though you can look back at my tweets and you can see just the how upset I was about it in terms of wanting to get Derwin James at sixteen when he dropped that far. The question comes this year: if the Ravens are sitting at twenty-eight, no one's going to give them anything for their pick, and we'll just set that as the scenario here. No one's willing to give them proper value to move up and get their pick. They want to steal it from them, but they don't want to let them have it. And, and that could be a case if they perceive, probably correctly, that the Ravens' biggest need by a mile is edge, and they, and they don't want to let the Ravens get there cheaply. The Ravens don't move up to get whoever their guy is, and he gets drafted. And the guy left on the board is their number 13 overall ranked guy who happens to be a wide receiver. Do they, at that point, pull the trigger? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if it, their history says they do. I mean, if it's that much, if he is their 25th. Yeah, player, and I hope not. <laughs> right. Then they probably they probably fall back mm-hmm. um, because, I mean, they, you know, they always talk about, you know, I mean, it's always the thing. We, we, don't, we don't draft for need. We only draft, you know, we, we set our board, but their board is based on need. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, they're not drafting a quarterback. You know, I mean, it's, it's that simple. Even if he's the best player by. 50, 50 players, mm-hmm. you know, they're not drafting a quarterback. Um, so, uh, you know, so I mean, I think that's the case. And, you know, it's something where, um, you know, sometimes as we saw with Lamar, when the Ravens traded up those, uh, there's a, always a lot of action in picks 25 through 32, mm-hmm. because I want that guy. I want my opportunity to have the fifth year because it, it it's at least a negotiating uh, you know, opportunity. Um, well, we got you for, you know, we're going to put the fifth year option on you. So, you know, let's factor that in and let's get a long-term deal done here. Uh, you know, so you've got some negotiating uh, um, wiggle with that. Um, so, I, I mean, I could, I, I just, unless it is somebody, like you said, it's the 13 guy and I'd be surprised. I would not at all surprise me if they end up trading down because, you know, most drafts, those, other than that, those need players that people are trading up for, you know that that late first, that turn late first, early second. There are a lot of guys that are just the same guy, you know. Um, and you can get the guy you want a few picks down, and they've always seemed to have done pretty well with that. Right, and I, I agree. The problem is that they they may not have a trading partner, but at twenty eight, there sure. should be. If if I look back to the most one of the most famous ways the Ravens got screwed at this, and this is the way you can get screwed. When you're perceived as only needing one position, it was in the 2007 draft. They had the 29th pick. They ended up getting Ben Grubbs at 29. But the guy they really wanted, and more importantly, in some sense, the guy I really wanted, because that's why I'm telling the story right now, sure. is Joe Staley, who went at 28. Right. And the, the, the 49ers knew the Ravens would draft an offensive tackle, and they just skipped one in front of them. And that's the problem with having one specific need is not only – do you not get value trading up or down? You always you always get either get gouged to trade up or get crap for trade right. down. Uh, 
is people can trade ahead of you mm-hmm. and, and they, they do it and they, they know what your need is. It's just, it's it, it, very frustrating on draft day to have that kind of thing occur. And I know we had a party that day and that, uh, that caused a, pretty much the end of the party because I was just, having a fit. <laughs> that happened. But anyway. Yeah. And I mean, there's, you know, there was, I don't know. There, there were rumors that uh, New England traded in front of us and picked Gronk that one year that we needed a tight end. And I think that was the year we ended up getting Pitta later. Um, I think that was the same draft. Um, it was what that would Gronk. Would that have been Gronk? I'm pretty yeah. sure that I'm pretty sure that was the same draft. Um, so, you know, there's I, but what you know, there was questions of medicals and things like that. So who knows if that's accurate or not? But yeah, I mean, there's certainly when you you can see some trades you're like well that's a player we could have been interested in you know or that's that or at least it's a position we very well might have been interested in and when somebody jumps one or two spots in front of you you do wonder if if that's their reasoning and you always wonder if they're if they were right or wrong (laughs) you know all Um, right what do you uh, have for us josh all right uh two more simple questions to get out of here first uh before the draft we have free agency is there a player you'd go after day one in free agency? In free agency. Hmm. Someone not a current player, someone you'd go out, not a current Raven, I guess. Well, I mean, I mean, the one everybody seems to want is the, is, um, the defensive end out of ja- in Jacksonville, who uh, I just find it hard to believe that they're even going to let him hit the market. So I just feel like, I mean, it, it you know, I mean, I was, there was, I was part of a Twitter discussion today about that. And, you know, we don't need Judon. We need some, you know, we need, um, what's it? Nagakwe. Is that how you say his name? Nagakwe, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, but I, I, you know, and I mean, uh, the more qualified people can tell me which the better player is truly is. Cause they, they're, they're not the same player obviously, but, um, and I, I just don't see, I just don't see Jacksonville letting him go. So, um, I don't, I don't think we're going to be, uh, I think we're going to spend our money, a lot of our money on our own guys, um, fill in some of the gaps. I don't, Earl Thomas was a huge signing last year, which out of the blue, um, I don't certainly, and that wasn't, I guess that was, that wasn't first day, but I don't, I just don't see that. Uh, that's never generally been our MO. Um, so I would be, I would be surprised if, if, if there's, if there's a free agent, not a name, but uh, you know, a pass rusher and wide receiver are probably the two that I would think it will be. Um, but I haven't looked at, I honestly haven't looked at free agent lists. So unless there's a, is there a defensive tackle out there or an interior guy that maybe, um, you know, uh, piques their interest that, that, that could certainly happen, but I, I don't see them going out and signing uh, a 15, you know, $15 million a year or more player. I think it's going to be more your, your seven and eights and hoping, you know, they get, if they want Judon, they get him back before they have to put the tag on him. And that's going to limit things too. If they have to tag him, that changes, that changes the, the, you know, the, the strategy totally. Okay. I'm going to talk about two players because I have seen them mentioned. One that I would really stay away from is Marcus Golden of the Giants. who's just done with his fifth year right now. So he's just hitting free agency for the first time. And he's going to be 29 when the season starts, he's an old man. Well, okay, we don't want to get too much into that, but he's older. Um, he's got 29 sacks in in five years, and he had a 12 and a half sack year in year two. Then he had some injuries in year two and three, not nearly as productive. Came back with a 10 sack year for the Giants this year, and is now hitting free agency. It, it's it's I 
if you look just at the years of his career and that's what you had instead of age, I'd say, you know, maybe that's a guy you can get that you know more about him than the rest of the league does. But if he's, you know, going to be 29 years old when the season starts, there's no way I want to buy into decline on that player. So I, I'm, I'm, he's the kind of free agent I would definitely stay away from. It's almost like a third contract age. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the other guy who you really want to bank it all in terms of the Ravens winning next year, Chris Jones will be a free agent. And he has tremendous potential value. Uh, he had a you know, long sack streak uh, going on. Let's see, how many sacks did he have this year in total? Uh, let me find this here really quickly, except I'm not doing it quickly. Uh, yeah, there it is. He had nine sacks this year, 15 and a half in 2018 on the inside. He would transform the Ravens in terms of their interior pass rush. If you want to go go out and get that guy who's 25 years old, I don't have a problem. Uh, it's going to cost a bit to do it. Certainly not going to be able to retain Judon if you do it. Uh, but but he's he's the guy I'd go after. You might as well identify the best player, go the early Steinbrenner route, and and try and uh, sign him as opposed to uh, anybody else who might be out there. And then deal with your edge in the draft. Deal with your edge by hoping that Ferguson develops. Right. Yeah. I mean, I that I, I, that seems like a guy that would that would make sense for that. But I guess the other question is: Is there any chance he even hits the market? Um, and I don't know who, uh, you know, off the top of my head, I don't know who the, uh, the Chiefs have other. to pay Mahomes. So that's the well, hope. right. But uh, you know, I don't. I haven't. You know, we'd have to look at their cap situation. But I mean, if the question is, is he even going to hit the market? Because I think at worst he gets. You know, they're going to franchise him. Um, you don't let. I mean, I it's it's bad enough when you let an edge guy go. I and an interior pass rushing guy is is so valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, and as, as, as you said, it, tr- it transforms a defense. Um, I would be shocked if, if they were to let him go. Um, and that, I mean, that, that's, you know, every free agent years, free agency years kind of like that. Oh, I want this guy. I want this guy. And then, you know, by the time, you know, in this case, March 18th, 18th comes around, you know, it, half of the guys, the, or the, you know, the guys you really want aren't there anymore. And there's a reason for that, you know, Another guy, you know, is question, you know, Shaq Barrett, um, you know, started off really strong in Tampa, bet on himself on a one year deal, could have been had for cheap last year. But do you, you know, how much do you, um, how much stock do you put in into that? Because um, he didn't really shine in Denver uh, before that. But, um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's also a younger guy. Um, well, actually, he'll be 28 next year, so he's not as young as I thought. Um, so he was he was in Denver for five years. I didn't realize that. Um, Is he a free but, agent? Yeah, yeah, he signed a one year deal with Tampa. He wow, 19 and a half sacks. Yeah, you know, but a lot of them. Okay, I mean, I think he had eight in the first two or three. I'm not two or three weeks, but three or four weeks. Um, but yeah, I mean, he totally. I mean, he he signed late last year. Um, so. But again, you know, I well actually Tampa's got uh, they got a quarterback issue too, so um, their quarterback's a free a free agent as well. So maybe they don't have, um, you know, maybe they can't franchise him. But that's another guy. Um, but again, if you're going to sign him to a huge contract after 19 and a half sacks, and he's going to be 28 next year, 
you know, four year, a four year deal makes him, you know, puts him in this, you know, 31, 32 at the end of that deal. And is he going to lose something? So, uh, you know, so that's, I just, you know, Chris Jones, as you said, I think that would be, I think that's a a perfect guy. Um, if you're going to go there, if he's available and if you're going to go there, but, um, I just have my doubts that, you know, those kind of names are going to be out there, unfortunately. All right. You mentioned a few times in each of these episodes uh, about the new CBA. Is there anything the Ravens need to do or should do this season to prepare for that CBA? Is there, and what are we expecting that to look like? Is it just expanded to more money? Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's certainly going to be some some adjustments, um, non cap adjustments like uh, league discipline and things like that. It looks like that's going to finally probably be taken away from the commissioner and obviously talking about 17 games. Um, But uh, as far as the cap, I mean, every time, and I've been doing this through, let's see, they they changed it in 03. They extended in 03 just with an extension. 06, they did a whole new CBA. um, And then they cut it short and and it was supposed to go longer. And then 10, the um, owner's, pulled the plug and then they finally got a new one in 11, but the, the cap itself hasn't changed much. Um, what changes is uh, the piece of the pie the players get. And of course that, that changes the cap, but as far as how contracts have worked and how a cap number works, that has never changed over the years. I've been paying attention to this. So um, things that will probably change um, the players aren't happy, the rookie wage scale, um, which, the reason they made it the way it was because rookies were making too much. It, it seems like they might've gone too far um, in the direction of cutting them down. So uh, that will probably the, the vet, the minimums will come up uh, probably, um, but the cap's going to go up. Um, the last CBA it went down because the, uh, the owners won, I guess we'll say, uh, and won big time. Um, and, but this time I, I, there's not, I don't think there's a win to be had. I think everybody, you know, it sounds like they understand that the economics are such that the players uh, are going to get more money. And it's just a matter of how, how, you know, how they slice that pie up. And so I said so that I don't think as far as the cap goes, so it's getting to, I don't think the Ravens need to plan anything. They, the Ravens had a very clean cap up until that last change in 11. Um, and they, they were one of the teams that, we're, we're way over the cap because the cap dropped like $10 million, I think it was, or eight. Um, and they were over the cap and that's when they had to cut heap and they cut Kelly Gregg and, and, um, and um, another big name um, that year. So they, that's, that's something that um, I don't, this isn't going to happen this time. So I don't think they have to do a lot of planning other than that carryover issue, which I think we mentioned in the, in the, Last episode will be the next episode, I guess we'll say. Um, but um, that that's not really going to be an issue for the Ravens because they rarely carry any money over. Okay. All right. Uh, simple answer. Uh, real quick. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm getting ahead of myself. A that's a complicated question that nobody really yeah. even knows yet. Yes. <laughs> right, well, yeah. I, my next, I was going to close it out with a question to give you just a real simple answer. It looks like the biggest name in free agency this offseason will be Tom Brady. What team does he play for next year? Hmm. Ken, you want to go with that first? No, I, I really have to think about it to think even who needs a quarterback, what would make sense. I mean, uh, so what team thinks they can win now? 
and Tom Brady could put them over the top. So, uh, criminy. So, it's any team that doesn't want to go through a rebuild. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a team like Tennessee might be a team, but they have Ryan Tannehill's played well this year. I think they would want to try and sign him. He's a free agent, correct, Brian? Correct. Yes, correct. Another right. one. Yes. Uh. I don't think there's any – I mean, is there maybe another team that would want him to start for one or two years? I mean, Brady wouldn't want that. So Tampa that's Bay. A, that's okay. I, I, to me, it's San Diego. I mean, not San Diego. It's it's the Chargers. Okay. The L.A. Chargers. Um, Rivers is a free agent. Um, he did not play well this year. Um, they Their season tickets are horrible. They were playing in that soccer stadium, and and it was overrun by um, opposing, opposing fans. fans. Yep. Um, they're going into the new stadium. They need to sell seats. Um, Hollywood would sound, would seemingly be um, uh, something Brady would would kind of fit. Um, and I think for the Chargers standpoint, what free agent can you sign that's going to sell t- sell more tickets than Tom Brady? That's a very uh, logical answer. So I and it and I I'm certainly not the first one to to say that. So, uh, but that just seems to I, I think everything fits there. Uh, the only thing that doesn't fit is if if the if the Chargers are um, are wedded to um, you know I mean I mean Phil Rivers has been there since '03. You know and I don't, that's tough to say sayonara. Um, but he, uh, some, I saw something just recently that he had sold his house in San Diego and was moving to Florida. So maybe he ends up in Tampa Bay. Well, that could be uh, Texas. Well, that could be. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably true as well. Um, the other place, uh, you know, if if Gruden wants to get rid of Carr, um, I, I, you know, I don't know if the I don't know if the uh, Raiders are good enough, but certainly putting Brady in Vegas will sell tickets. I don't think they're gonna have trouble selling tickets anyway, but. Um, that would uh, that would be probably an interesting, and that's close enough to the West Coast for Brady as well. So, but I think I think the Chargers just make too much sense, which of course means it won't happen. But you know, you know how that goes. The, the Raiders situation specifically is the most absolutely safety netted in terms of selling every single ticket that there ever was. To have all those casinos around, and they're all willing to take five hundred tickets or a thousand tickets per game or whatever it is, and you got. Literally, maybe a hundred casinos in the Las Vegas area. They're not all going to take that many tickets, but it's a it's very well safety netted where where you go, to, what businesses you go to to buy the end of the ticket row. Oh yeah, and the you know opposing fans. It's you know it's it's an easy flight from pretty much everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I think they have direct flights from everywhere, so you know opposing fans. It's easy to get to, and they're going to buy the tickets, and you know, so I yeah, they're not going to have any trouble selling tickets per se. Uh, but I just think. Uh, you know, the Raiders, I don't know, with Gruden and 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 Brady, which would be an interesting combination. So that may not work right there in and of itself. But um, I just think that would be interesting. And it just seems like it fits into what Brady might. I mean, because he's not going to go. I don't think he'll go to Tennessee. And that's not a bad place for him. But I just don't see him going to Tennessee. He'll stay in. I don't know. I don't we don't know if New England wants him back, but he would stay in New England before going there. So I think it's a limited places that fit his persona. I don't know if that's the Ego. right way to put it. Yeah, well that that's a that's a that's a less nice way of saying it, but accurate, <laughs> just the same. So um, yeah, I just I I just I, I L A just makes too much sense, but you know who knows. 
All right, Brian. Well, thanks for joining us uh, again sure. for these for roster breakdowns. Everyone can go on over to Russell Street Report and read all of your writings up there and then share your Twitter handle so everyone can give you a follow as well. Sure. It's at Raven Salary Cap. Pretty straightforward. Um, update contracts as they come in. Do the best I can with the information that's out there uh, and try to put them together. And then obviously once we get the full details, uh, get all those together and update the cap space as, as we go. We, get, we we love all our guests, but Brian, you're you're one guest that I always include as a at, and I know you don't have a don't at me rule, or at least I'm not aware of one. But I always include you with with any kind of contract question that I have. You are the go to resource on I that. And I always that. appreciate you being there. Yeah, always always a pleasure. All right, Ken, uh, what's the off season looking like for film study? Lots of things to do this off season. So we, we, we have some grading to do. We have some, obviously, these roster evaluation pieces. We're going to look at, look at the hits Lamar Jackson took in the 2019 season and really talk about that a little bit. we got to prepare for free agency in terms of making list of potential targets that make sense. We'll go through the same crap that everybody else does in terms of hitting the, the refresh key every four seconds during <laughs> those first few days after free agency. But seriously, we'll look at the film when the Ravens acquire somebody and talk about acquisition pieces like that. We'll have some draft preview issues. I'm mostly a draft review guy. And Josh, we talked about having a show for the first round, at least, where we have some guests on and go through as that first round is occurring and talk about you know what does that mean to us? in terms of the very Ravens-centric view of every single pick in the first round. Yeah, live uh, little broadcasts to go along with it. That sure. sounds fun. Yeah. Yep, so we'll be working on putting something together like that. Make sure to go on over to iTunes and whatever other app store or uh, podcast place you're listening to this podcast and give it five stars and write a little review. Uh, you can write negative stuff in the review. I don't care. Just give five stars, and that helps out a whole lot. <laughs> Appreciate all you listeners. Thanks so much right. for a great 2019. All right. And again, uh, defense will come out in just a couple of days. So stay close to your uh, iPhone or Android phone and keep an eye out for film study. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.